Melina, want to go for a ride? Um, sure, I guess. <laughs> Where are we going? Wherever the road takes us. Yeah. Now, of course, this is a virtual car ride, uh, since we're still social distancing and all that. In fact, even more than before, because we used to both live in Stuttgart, Germany, but now you move back home to the United States. How does it feel? That's right. <laughs> uh, it's It feels fantastic. Uh, so today I'm coming to you from here in beautiful Chicago. But now, for the purposes of our podcast, I'm in this car with you. It sounds like we're on a highway now, going pretty fast, actually. Yeah, uh, I hope Sylvan, our sound designer, actually takes the right exit. <laughs> and let's listen to something. Shall we turn on the radio? We could listen to a podcast. How about this one? From know-how to wow. The Bosch Global Podcast. Okay, we're back in our respective home recording studios. Uh, my name is Jeff Gustaitis. And I'm Elena Otworth. Welcome to episode number 10. It's our anniversary, Jeff. 10th anniversary. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Time flies when you're having fun, right? So, Melina, I have a question for you. Through which country were we driving? I'm pretty sure it's Germany. Was it Germany? <laughs> yes, that's correct. And the clue was actually in the emergency siren. I figured. Also, because we're going to talk about sirens a lot today. That's right. Everyone who has kept their childhood fascination with police cars and ambulances and fire trucks is going to really enjoy this episode. <laughs> oh, yeah. We'll discuss why cars need ears and why it's surprisingly tricky to make them hear things. Some exciting insights about how to make a very sensitive sensor work in a harsh environment. That's coming up. So, you know, thinking a lot about sound for this episode, I noticed that some things sound very different depending on where you are. Mm -hmm. I especially noticed this recently, moving from Germany back to the U.S. Yeah, speaking of moving, what was it like to move across the Atlantic in the middle of a pandemic? <laughs> well, um, for sure I was sad to leave Germany, uh, I can say that. Very clearly. Um, but I was still excited to come home. I bet. Uh, this place sounds a lot different. It had been quite some time since I had been s around so many other people at one time. Yeah. And it was actually quite loud. I'm not used to that anymore. So this is a recording from Woodfield Mall in Schaumburg, Illinois, in the suburbs of Chicago. It's the largest mall in America, not including the Mall of America. That's kind of cheating because that has an entire theme park and roller coaster inside of it. So anyway, these are the beautiful sounds of Woodfield. It's only music in the background, isn't it? Or are there people? No, there's, there's quite a lot of people too. So yeah, it's, it's, uh, it, was, it was pretty wild because a little 10-hour plane ride away, you know, no big deal. And then that mall is packed full. It was really bizarre. Totally different. Uh, when you told me about this, I tried to record something that sounds typical for my surroundings as well. Do you want to take a guess what this is? Oh, I mean, 
Huh? But it's kind of cheating. You can't tell me to guess when I've been living there for five years. Come on. That's, <laughs> here, let, let's challenge it. Um, knowing where you are, is that Forvish? Yeah. Which station? Uh-huh. <laughs> okay, so sorry. For Pretty our good. <laughs> for our listeners, that was the sound of one of the Stuttgart subway trains. Right, Melina? Exactly. Yes, the subway train in Stuttgart. I mean, I think if you take these trains every day, I don't know, for commuting, doing shopping, whatever, you could probably tell that this is in Stuttgart. Yeah, definitely. To me, it has that distinct sound. It, it sounds a little different, I think, mm-hmm. from trains in other German cities. A bit old-fashioned, these squeaking noises. <laughs> I would recognize well. that everywhere, I guess. I, I have something else that sounds very German to me. You want to listen to it? Okay. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Here we go. Is that? You guys hear that? Oh. That ticking clock in the background. <laughs> That's apparently how a German registry office sounds like during Corona times. Welcome to German administration. <laughs> <laughs> administration, yeah. I would say that the, the sound of bureaucracy. It's yep. beautiful. <laughs> God, it was so quiet in there. Uh, but you know what you should do with that clock sound? You should upload it to the Pandemic Silence Project. Oh, it's that. That's a website that collects the sounds that have changed because of the pandemic. Huh. And totally by coincidence, we recorded an interview <laughs> with its founder, Andreas von Bubnov. Because he's very well networked in New York City, the sounds he received uh, documented all of the empty spaces there. So um, people started to send us things from uh, places that are usually super busy, like Grand Central Station, of course, Brooklyn Bridge, Central Park, you know, the the usual um, things. But that was just sort of like the, the surface. Underneath that surface, we actually have things that started to to happen to people. Uh, People started to either do things that they don't usually do, or you notice them doing these things better. And that was, for example, a street cleaner singing in Barcelona, wearing his mask, and there was no one else on the street, and you could just hear the guy singing, and and it was basically very... It was something I would have never noticed before. Oh, man, that is making me super nostalgic. That is just great. I got, I got to say, Barcelona is probably my favorite city in Europe. That, and and I, can, I can just visualize that right now. Yeah. And I mean, it's in Barcelona, probably one of the busiest cities I can imagine. Usually there's so much going on in the streets, and now it's only him mm-hmm. singing. Nice, very beautiful. I guess that's not the first or only time that guy is singing while he's he's working. Yeah. But the difference is you can actually pick it up now. So it's interesting because from him, you know, he's still cleaning the streets. Uh, for us, we're able to really pick up on the detail. It's wild. It's just fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. One really interesting aspect is also that your mindset plays a really important role. With the pandemic on your mind, the meaning of a sound can change. Andreas has this example on the website. This has been recorded at a student dorm in Germany. Mm -hmm. What you can hear is nothing really 
special, you would say, you would normally dismiss it, right? Okay, it's somebody cleaning dishes and people in the background talking, but it, it has this completely different meaning because it happens during the pandemic. And the person who recorded this said that that sound next door of people having guests, her roommates having guests made her afraid because she was trying to separate and to not get infected. Right. Of course. And on the other hand, you can hear people enjoying the world quieting down and experiencing new sounds. Uh, like this lady who said that there are now many more birds in the tree behind her house in New Delhi. Isn't that pretty? Oh, it is. And that's a lot, too. It just sounds like spring. What can I say? <laughs> <laughs> Nowadays, this tree is full of birds, you know. Birds chirping and the birds are of different variety. And I also don't know the birds which we used to think have become extinct. I can see them on this tree. Is it still going on? Could I actually upload my registry office sound, for example? Uh, yes, 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 you can. Um, and you can do that at pandemicsilence.org. Uh, there's also a WhatsApp number that you can send sounds to. Cool. Uh, we'll put the link and the WhatsApp number in the show notes. Oh, I think it's a great idea to preserve the sound of the pandemic. Because I'm sure most of the silence will be gone as soon as everyone is going to work again and will travel again and just be outside more with other people. And I personally can't wait. Although, yes, the quietness and the relative silence can also be very nice. Mm. I think that everything we've heard so far makes one thing very clear. Sound can tell us so much about our surroundings. It can even reveal actually where we are. What's going on. And whether unusual events are happening. Because it's a constant stream of information, and because it's so constant, oftentimes we're not even aware of it. Information, yeah, that's key here. Because that is what gets engineers interested in this topic. A lot of engineering at Bosch these days revolves around creating smart things, right? Devices that understand their surroundings or help us better understand what's going on. So let's hop back into our virtual car, shall we? We shall. Uh -huh. Okay, yeah, I can, can tell that it's an older model this time. <laughs> We're on our way to Renningen, where at Bosch Research, engineers are closely listening to the sounds around a car. I was driving a quite old car, so this was an old uh, camper van from my family, and this car was kind of built in the 90s, and everything, when you go on a, on a highway, when you go beyond 100 kilometers per hour, uh, it's kind of noisy and shaking and doing vibrations and stuff. So at this time, I was really carefully listening at lots of stuff because I once crashed the engine. And um, after that, I was really, really nervous and, and really uh, focused to hear strange noises yes. and stuff that could go wrong. <laughs> Quite the adventure. <laughs> Let me introduce you to Andreas Merz. He is a physicist at Bosch Research. And, and I can actually relate to that anxiety that, that he, uh, he told us about. I was hearing a noise in one of my old cars one time, uh, basically whenever I was uh, turning the steering wheel. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, and, it, and I didn't really pay attention to it. You know, you just kind of roll the windows down or turn the music up a little bit and just kind of drown out the sound. 
Um, <laughs> just ignore the problem. Um, turns out. It'll go away. <laughs> yeah, right? Just pretend it's not there. Out of sight, out of mind kind of deal. They have, a, they have that expression in German too. How does that go? Aus dem Auge, aus dem Sinn. Genau, yeah. That also my motto when it comes to technical problems. <laughs> anyway, so it turns out that my power steering system um, was leaking. And eventually it just went out completely. And if you've ever driven a car without a power steering, it, it's quite a bit of labor. Um, it, and it's not super safe, to be honest. So since then, I absolutely pay attention to the sounds of my car. And if you're an experienced driver <laughs> and you know your car well, uh, you can certainly notice when something is sounding wrong. True, but I'd say even inexperienced drivers should listen carefully. Mm -hmm. Even more after your little story now. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. And since I have children, I also, for example, listen carefully for voices around the cars, especially small children that you don't directly see. But very often children are um, kind of noisy people, <laughs> so you, you can um, then locate them and take care of them. Point is, whether it's something with your car's engine or the tires or children playing nearby, sound often tells you about things that you can't see. That's right. Because it's always coming from 360 degrees. It's literally surround sound. Plus, it travels around corners. So, Andreas, the father, uses his ears when operating a vehicle. And what does Andreas, the Bosch engineer, do? He says cars should have ears, too. Yes, for sure. <laughs> cars with ears. All right, well, I mean, it's pretty straightforward. Just strap a couple mics <laughs> like the ones we are using right now on the top, and you're good to go, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously, slight <laughs> oversimplification. Um, I guess it would make sense. As cars are becoming more and more automated and eventually fully autonomous, um, they could use that information to gather from the sound waves on what's happening in the environment. Right? Just strap on a couple of microphones. I mean, that's not <laughs> the worst idea. You're, you're not wrong. <laughs> But yeah, putting microphones on a car is much more difficult than it sounds. But let's get to that later. First, yes, the idea of making cars listen to their surroundings becomes more important as cars don't necessarily have drivers anymore. It's actually a legal requirement. There's a law that you have to have attention to certain emergency vehicles. In Germany, for example, when um, there's an emergency vehicle approaching with the, the blue light and the siren, you have to give way, and that's, that's the law. Yeah, I hadn't really thought of it like that. And I'm sure it's, it, well, I know, it's not just the law in Germany. I mean, your mileage may vary, as it were. Um, but stopping and pulling over when you hear a siren approaching is, is probably a good idea, even if it's not actually the law. So what did Andreas Mertz and his team do? We built up artificial intelligence that is able to um, detect such sirens in any acoustic signal. So they didn't just develop microphones for cars, they developed smart, intelligent microphones. Well, artificially intelligent microphones. Mm -hmm. 
we have been collecting training data for these use cases for a long time to get different locations, to get different emergency vehicle types, to get different countries, different cars, different positions of the sensors mounted on the car. So it has to get a lot of uh, data off sirens, uh, which are labeled as uh, such. And uh, it also has to get a lot of other data like um, horns or other sirens that are not from emergency vehicles, for example. And then it can learn to differentiate between those samples. And then in the end, you can train the model, especially to find sirens within noisy environments and so on. That's really, really fascinating and impressive. And because you don't want to have your vehicle overreact or react in an improper way, like from another car's alarm. Yeah, right. And once they figured that out, they could combine this siren-detecting AI with a microphone and package it as a smart microphone with the analysis of the sound signal embedded in it. To bring this high-level machine learning world together with the small embedded microcontrollers, our department developed a full pipeline of how to transform machine learning models into the world of embedded AI. So we call this embedded artificial intelligence once you have such, for example, neural networks running in this really, really tiny uh, device of microcontrollers. And of course... Andreas, as our wonderful Bosch engineers have a tendency to do, he makes it sound quite simple. Uh, <laughs> but really and truly, the transfer from going from a, a full-grown neural network uh, to a tiny embedded system that's, that's on board the vehicle, that's actually quite a challenge. Absolutely. He explained that, first of all, you have to translate everything into a different programming language. And then you have to work with the limitations of the new system. Those embedded controllers, of course, have much less storage space and computing power than your development system. So when you start looking for things that you can remove without making the whole thing less accurate and less reliable. If you're listening to a melody, like the siren, you can uh, imagine that the melody can be described, for example, in, like in music, by different notes. And um, that already enables you to cut down the data, which is from an acoustic point of view, a really broadband from high to very low frequency signal. And you can cut out the interesting part where the siren is located. And with this knowledge, you already can throw away most of the data you don't need. And uh -huh. you're left with um, the high concentrated data, more so to say. Uh -huh. Melina? Yeah? What, what you doing over there? <laughs> trying to to play that melody, try to figure that out. All right, mm -hmm, here we go. Well, what? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I have to admit, that actually did sound like a German siren. Suddenly I feel like I'm back in Stuttgart. Yeah, so in Germany, things are quite straight uh, from the law and the rules. Of course. You can say that. So especially the siren is really, really good defined, like from every single frequency that has to appear in the siren and uh, the exact uh, frequency tones and the overtones that have to be in the signal. So, I mean, everywhere you go in Germany, there's the same siren. <laughs> of, of course it is. 
Well, internationally, though, it gets a bit more complicated. But yeah, for sure. Um, for example, here in the U.S., every police department, every sheriff, basically, uh, they pick their own siren sound. Uh, they can actually change <laughs> it in the car. Um, it, so That's pretty, pretty cool, uh, yeah. actually. <laughs> I mean, hey, variety is the spice of life. So, you know, got to have that. Which makes it so much harder for an AI, though. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Those poor AI bots. We have some more fun facts about sirens for you. Are you interested? Oh, yeah. yeah of course. Absolutely. Oh, bring it on. Welcome to the From Know How to Wow quiz show. You will be wowed, as I usually say, over wowed. And this is your <laughs> quiz master, Steph. Hey, Steph. Hi, Steph. Hi. Game show host today. <laughs> Two roles, yeah. Apparently, yeah. <laughs> so, this is kind of a reverse quiz. No, you don't have to find uh, the question to the answers. Uh, that's a different show. I want you okay. to identify the wrong facts out of a set of facts. Okay? Okay. Mm -hmm. Means which statement is wrong? Is wrong. Mm -hmm. Got it. Statement A. Sirens in the US are louder than in Europe. Statement B. Sirens in the US are more annoying than in Europe. And I can play some examples if you want. <laughs> Jeff, you're an expert for that question. <laughs> This is an Italian uh, siren first. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Or this is a fire truck in Paris. Oh. And now this is uh, some American sirens. Also fire truck. Yeah, oh. the horns. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, God, I feel like I'm downtown Chicago. This is great. What was it again? Option A was they are louder in the US and B was they are more annoying in the US. Why would they be more annoying? It doesn't well, make I think any as sense. A, as a factual statement, yes, the sirens are louder in the US than in Europe. I'm, I believe that is the case. Yeah, I mean... Um, as far as being annoying, no, I will take the American version any day. But I might be biased. <laughs> It could be that I'm biased. So we say that B is wrong. I'm sorry, you're wrong. US sirens are not louder than European ones. Ha! They are just more annoying, which is why New York City police were testing European sirens in 2019 to reduce noise pollution. At the same time, German cities tested American sirens to increase awareness. That's incredible. So let's make it a little bit harder now. Okay. I have three statements. Which one is wrong? So statement A. German sirens are called Martinshorn. That's correct. B. Chinese sirens are called Lily's trumpets. Or C. Greek sirens are called Leukosia, Molpe and Parthenope. What? So I mean they are called Martinshorn in German. You know that? So you know A yeah. is good? Yeah. Check. Aye. What now? China or Greece? I mean, Lily's why, would, why would Greek sirens have three different names? Leucosia, Molpa, <laughs> <Yeah>. and Parthenope. <laughs> Parthenope? That sounds rather complicated. So, so C. Yeah, so C is wrong. 
The Martins Horn was invented by Deutsche Signalinstrumentefabrik Max B. Martin and is still produced there. While we don't know if the Greek mythological sirens ever existed, there are no lilies trumpets in China, but trumpet lilies, the flowers, <gasps> stem from China. Okay, so okay. we're wrong again. Last one. This time I have three correct statements and one that's wrong. So pick the one that's wrong. Okay, okay. Chinese sirens make French sirens make ping pong. British sirens make ni no. German sirens make tatu tata. So which one is the wrong one? So C and D are correct. Okay, the British and the German you think is correct. Ni no ni no. Yeah, very annoying. Steph, can can you In can you do the French one again, please? <laughs> please. <laughs> Hmm. Are you eating a Macron? What was the Chinese again? (laughs) All right. I I go with Chinese. Yeah. Because it's the only one that isn't like alliteration in its its sound. Everything else is is P, P, or N, N, or T, T. That sounds pretty clever. Thank you. We go with A. Congratulations, because you are right. Yes! 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 That's one for like five. Nice. We we actually could not Google what Chinese people think the sound of their sirens sounds like, but oh really? We asked some Bosch associates in China. Of course, here's a recording by Carrie Yu. Nice. <laughs> see, that sounds like a siren. Yeah. I see. One out of three, Jeff. Okay. Better than the last time. So thanks for joining the quiz. Thank you very much. That was fun. Yeah, really was. And and dear listener, uh, we're actually really curious about how people say the sound of an ambulance in your native language or in your in your country. So let us know and send us a voice memo. Uh, our email address, of course, is in the show notes. Maybe you even remember it from previous episodes. Oh, that would be so cool, having a compilation of people trying to make the sounds of the siren in their respective home countries. I don't know how I would do it for (laughs) the US, to be honest. (laughs) Pretty glad that we got the chance to listen to so many different ambulance sounds already. Yeah. For all of these, the AI on our microphone needs to be trained. Not necessarily all at once, though. Right. Because a car is not usually going from China to Germany or or something like that. Yeah. So really, you only need to know the the Chinese siren recognition or the German one or the Martin's horn, as it were. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and if you go to a different region with a different siren sound, you could update the sensor. Oh, so now we're going from embedded AI to AIoT, since this is a connected mm-hmm. device. Mm-hmm. In order to learn more about the sensor itself, this smart connected microphone, let's bring in another Bosch expert. Yeah, okay. Yeah, my name is Thomas Buck. I'm an electrical engineer with Bosch for almost 20 years now. And currently, I'm responsible for the prototype development of our intelligent automotive harsh environment microphone. So harsh environment, why uh, are you considering the car itself harsh? I mean, 
and people spending a lot of money to make them quite comfortable. Mm-hmm. Yes, the inside of a car is designed to be very comfortable. Yeah. And more and more so. Right. When our sound designer Silvan places us in an imaginary car, he can make the sounds from the outside as loud as he wants, of course. Uh-huh. But actually, sometimes in a car, you barely hear anything from the outside. The inside of the car is getting better and better insulated against outside sound. I mean, if you sit in a in a good car, or in a modern car nowadays, it's getting really hard to hear the outside. And so a microphone that actually aims for the outside world must sit on the outside of the car. Yeah, and that loud noise that Thomas's co-worker Andreas described earlier, when, when he was driving his family's old car at high speeds, you don't really get that anymore. Mm. Sometimes it's so quiet, you're wondering if the engine is even running. Mm-hmm. Which is why we can now easily take phone calls while driving. <laughs> For siren detection, this is not very helpful, though. So just like yours and mine, the ears of a car have to be placed outside where they're exposed to all kinds of nasty stuff. Everybody knows that you do not clean your ears using a high-pressure water jet cleaner. Nevertheless, everybody expects that the sensors at your car, which actually have very comparable sensing capability, withstand such a procedure. So that's very hard to put something as simple as a microphone, actually, to the outside of your car and protect it over the lifetime of the car from all these harsh environment (laughs) challenges. Can try that. Maybe I do. So that exactly was Thomas' task, to build a microphone that can survive water jet cleaning, among many other things. All of these nasty things. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I get that. Um, I mean, for example, this, this microphone right in front of me, I mean, you just tap it lightly. I mean, just really lightly. And you can hear that yeah. very clearly. I mean, you hear the impact of it. And so I can't imagine uh, what that would be like with, a, again, another very sensitive sensor. Um, would do well at a car wash or even just with all the the wind and road noise as the machine is in motion. These challenges are really, really challenging. And yeah, it took the team here at Bosch quite some time and, and for sure dozens of experiments to figure out a way, a good way to actually protect these microphones while still maintaining sufficient acoustic performance. Clear, right? You put the microphone in a box or wrap it in foam or whatever, but that would also dampen the sound. It wouldn't be able to pick up the sound waves that are blocked by the casing. All right, then or what did the team come up with? What's, what's the trick? The trick? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, our microphone basically consists also of a classic MEMS microphone. Okay. This is the actual sensing element that is also... Uh, inside your mobile phone, for example. And we are actually using the same kind of device, but we put a tiny, thin membrane in front of this microphone. Uh And the design of this uh, and the size and the dimensions of this membrane and and the the channels between this membrane and the microphone itself, that's what defines actually the acoustic performance of this microphone. So the microphone sits in a small tube, and at the front, the tube is covered by a membrane. It can swing back and forth and thereby pass on sound waves. But it keeps out dirt, water, and so on. A little bit like an eardrum, actually. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but an eardrum can easily be punctured. 
for this car microphone, you want to use a material that is a little more resistant. And you have to determine the right thickness. The trade-offs are that if you make the membrane, for example, thicker, you can make the thing more robust for sure, yeah. but you lose a lot of yeah, sensitivity. Uh. So the compromise here is actually uh, the performance of the microphone compared to the robustness of the microphone. And you have to find a perfect balance in between. Yeah. And it seems like Thomas found that perfect balance. So his microphone and the membrane in front of it can survive a few years on the road, including that mm -hmm. jet washer cleaning? He did have it tested for water jet cleaning, yeah. And a lot of other things that make up that harsh environment, including various chemicals. But most of the uh, cars still are using gasoline and have oil and, and all that kind of stuff. The braking fluid that's even on electric cars, it's, it's very common around these, these environments. And cleaning fluids for sure. So all these kinds of tests, it also has to pass. Yeah. And then there, there are these mechanical tests, for example, vibrations, very heavy vibrations you have to pass. Uh, there's this stone uh, yeah, chip test where you shoot these tiny rocks on, on your sensor to <laughs> test whether it actually survives this. And uh, we, our microphone actually can handle these events as well. Wow. I... Uh I didn't know that that actually existed. So a test lab mm -hmm. where you throw <laughs> rocks at things. I mean, I could get in for that. That sounds like my kind of job. That would be fun. <laughs> <laughs> Throwing rocks at things. But that's yeah. incredible. I mean, that, that, we, that we're going to that level to ensure that everything is uh, ready to go. That's great. Incredible, yeah. I couldn't agree more. Um, but play devil's advocate here for a second. We were talking about siren detection. Yeah. There's always a but. There's, there's always um, a but. So we're, we're talking about the siren detection, right? And, and that it would be required by law in, in many places um, for autonomous vehicles to be able to hear and identify what an emergency vehicle siren when, when it's uh, coming around. Mm -hmm. But what about vehicle-to-vehicle -vehicle communication? I mean, a lot of people are working on this. Um, aren't we expecting that the cars in the future are just talking to each other directly? And we wouldn't need a, uh, you know, a secondary system to to pick up and understand that. Mm -hmm. I mean, a fire truck or a police car should send a signal directly to the other cars announcing mm -hmm. their presence, right? Very good point, Jeff. I know. Thank I you. suppose Thomas and Andreas they just haven't thought about that. Oh come on! I'm just kidding. Of course they've thought about that. Yeah, <laughs> your sarcasm. That always comes up. This is always a, qu a question that arises. Isn't a car-to-car -car communication, for example, sufficient? And the answer to this is quite simple. There are old emergency vehicles, which typically have a life of 20, 30 years, and they won't be equipped with this. Certainly not all emergency vehicles are equipped by a new technology that is able to transmit this information via other channels. And also, these systems may fail at any time, and while the siren has to work because you also have to alarm uh, other people on the street, actually. Uh, I mean, somebody on his bike doesn't have a car-to-bike to communication system on board. And so autonomous cars at least must have this as kind of a fallback. And so that's why they still have to detect the emergency signal, the siren. <laughs> yeah, okay. Kind of get the feeling that they've heard that dozen times. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm convinced. I'm in. Glad to hear it. 
<laughs> but there's more. We talked about the legal requirements for siren detection. There's actually another legal requirement in California where autonomous vehicles must have a kind of emergency mode which allows them to be remote controlled. Uh, remote controlled by whom? By someone in a teleoperation center. And for that, you also need an audio stream from the car to get a sense of what's going on. So it's safe to assume then that these microphones will definitely be built into the cars. Uh, they're not just nice to have. Yes, but mm-hmm. once they're there, you could also use them for some nice-to-have features. For example, a human driver would notice small impacts immediately. When a ball hits the car, for example, that makes a distinct sound. But it's hard to discover something like that with other sensors that cars already have. Okay, so the driverless car could also recognize the other types of sounds and then react accordingly. How the car react, on the other hand, that's a different question. If we go back to siren detection, microphones can help to first identify a siren and determine in which direction the emergency vehicle is moving. But then you need to bring in all the other sensors of the car. Ultrasonic sensors, radar, LIDAR, the camera system looking out for the emergency vehicle, and so on. I think this brings us full circle to the beginning of the episode. Sound helps us get an immediate and intimate sense of our environment. Uh, And it plays in unison with the other senses and is a crucial piece to complete the overall picture of the environment. On an autonomous car, microphones complete the suite of sensors. They make the whole system more reliable. So our cars really are getting ears. They are. Thank you, Melina, for (laughs) telling us all about that. Oh, you're welcome. That was fun. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Uh, For our listeners, please check out our show notes for more information on this and subscribe to the podcast, of course, so that you get the next episode right when it comes out. Until then, thank you for listening. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening. Oh, but wait, I I have one bonus fun fact. The sound of the German siren Mm -hmm. is said to have its origin in the cavalry signal for out of the way. (laughs) Ha ha. Ta-da. They should have just kept that. That was great. (laughs) From know-how to wow. The Bosch Global Podcast. 